Okay, time is it? All right. We're still uh, working on this bathroom. We're just um, kitchen. We're just about down to the end now. We'll put the sink back in. Uh, that floor was rotten. We replaced it and have painted everything. So I think we might uh, might get there today. Let's uh, let's deal with some important subjects. Important subject I want to talk with you about. So I'm gonna sit down here. Give me the, give me that uh, sound. What's the sound? All right, here we are, and uh, I have a very important subject I want to talk to you today. It, uh, it came about because of something, a couple things that happened recently. So I'm going to talk to you about street preachers. There's some problem with street preachers, I, especially these southern street preachers. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, I've done more street preaching than you all. When I was 16 years old, I was downtown Memphis, worst part of town, preaching to people on the streets. Uh, all through my youth, uh, I preached to people on the streets. I mean, every week, sometimes way up until late at night. And I have led hundreds, literally hundreds of people to Christ on the street. But I see a lot of problem among street preachers. Uh, a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, a friend of mine that actually, he got saved under my ministry, um, 40, 50 55 years ago, I guess, he got saved under my ministry, and uh, he became uh, an avid street preacher down in Memphis, and fine fella, finer fella you'd never want to meet, but uh, he'd go every week down in Memphis, and he had a big banner that he'd hold up, and it had some pictures of hellfire on it, and some crazy words, and scary stuff, and uh, he wanted me to go with him, so we went down on the main part of Memphis, and he stood up on a Saturday, and he began to scream out at the people and tell them repent and uh, use the word fool and carried on for about 35 40 minutes till he lost his voice and then he handed me this big sign the thing must have been six foot wide and ten foot tall on a big pole and and so i took it and it's kind of embarrassing to stand there and hold it and uh, as the people came by i spoke to them in a voice about like i'm speaking to you now not screaming and when he was talking, the people would steer 75 feet around him on both sides. So I just started talking to him about how much God loves him and what a wonderful Jesus Christ we had and what a blessed home in heaven and how great it was to be forgiven. And I saw these two young men, 25 years old or so, come walking down the street. And they, they stopped to listen. When they did, I lowered my voice a little bit. And they kept moving closer, and I kept lowering my voice as they got closer and closer. And finally, they got up within uh, two arms' reach of me, and I was just talking to them now. Still holding the sign, but just talking to them. And I told them how wonderful Jesus Christ is. I didn't tell them they need to get saved. I didn't tell them they need to repent. I didn't, didn't tell them how bad of a sinner they were. I made the assumption that we're all sinners, and we all need forgiveness. And that's people know that and one of those fellows just began to weep he said I, 
I need God. I need God. Just begin to weep. And right there on the sidewalk, he confessed faith in Jesus Christ and then began to laugh. He had a wonderful spirit of, <laughs> of joy that came over him. And as he walked off, my friend walked up to me. He said, I've been preaching for years and I've never had anybody get saved on the street. Now, I can understand why. Listen, I wouldn't want the God he was representing, an angry God, a demanding God, uh, a God that was loud and noisy and boisterous. I wouldn't have wanted that God. But more recently, I've been witnessing to a fellow locally. Uh, I call him a friend. I don't call myself witnessing to him. I just, he's a friend. He's a borderline or was infidel, atheist, wouldn't call himself that, just indifferent. Very intelligent fellow, very likable fellow, very gifted and talented, but uh, totally standoffish to, to the gospel. And uh, he mentioned to me one day that he saw a difference in us, uh, family, uh, my son, he came around where our workplace was. And so I have shared with him Christ, and he's been quite open to it. I gave him a couple of books, and he read them. Uh, some of the stuff I'm writing now, I gave him some copies of it, and I really wanted him to prove it because uh, I value his input. Uh, I wanted to see it from his perspective. And uh, he read that and said he was highly appreciative of it. And then one day I came up a couple of weeks ago, and, and he was upset because one of my friends who's done a lot of street preaching, stopped close to him, rolled down the window and screamed at him, repent, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> it made him really mad. He said, I walked over to the car where he was and I said, do you, do, do you know who you're talking to? He's kind of a big guy. And uh, so he told me, he said, I, I don't want any part of his God, his religion. And I said, well, you don't have to have any part of his God and his religion. I said, he's, a, he's an angry fellow who's not content in life. And uh, he's, that's just how, that's who he is. And I said, God saves crazy people. He saves stupid people. He saves people who have bad attitudes. And it takes a while to get that out of them. So don't let that put, turn you down. Now, I thought of a verse of scripture, it's in Isaiah, and it's quoted again in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, and it's in Isaiah, I think, uh, chapter 42. And it goes like this. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. That's talking about Jesus, prophecy of Jesus. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment into truth. Now in Matthew, it's quoted this way, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Now that is a prophecy that's quoted in the New Testament to describe Jesus' manner. It said that he wouldn't cry aloud or strive, or lift up his voice in the streets. And it said, a bruised reed shall he not break, 
and a smoking flax shall he not quench. That tells us that Jesus was not a street preacher and that he didn't go out to places where people were doing other things and were resentful of his presence and interrupt their daily flow of life and insult them or preach at them. What he did, and if you look it up, I think it's about 18 times in the New Testament, it says, and they came unto him. They came to Jesus. You'll find Jesus going out into the mountainside, the people coming to him. Find him going out to the sea on a ship and the, and the people coming to him. You'll find him going down in the wilderness and the people coming to him. You'll find him going into a house and the people come to him. Now, the only time he publicly addressed people was in the temple and the synagogue. The reason he did that is because there was a place set aside for a public dissertations where anybody could come and stand and speak. And so periodically throughout the day, people would come and, and share what they had to say. And so he would go there and he would begin to speak to the people and crowds would come to him. But what he didn't do was stand in the street and cry aloud and irritate people. <laughs> Now, when it said a, a, a smoking f flax, will he not quench? That, that's used to start a fire. So you got this little ball of fuzz there, and you got, got your uh, rock, and you're chipping away at your flint. Spark hits the ball, and it begins to smoke. That's the critical point in starting a fire. Then you, you blow on it real gentle, not too hard, but enough. And you coats it along. You add a little bit to it, and, the, and you get a flame. And then you get your fire started. Now it said he wouldn't, he wouldn't put that little fire out. In other words, if a person has a little desire to know God, he wouldn't offend them. So they said, okay, I don't want any part of that. A bruised reed, a, a reed that's growing along, they're, they're hollow, they're round. And if you break one, it will fall over like this. So one that's been bruised has been damaged. And it said that when he walks through, if the reed is bruised, he won't break it. He walks gently. So people who are emotionally hurt, people that are bitter, people that are angry, people that are resentful, when they come in contact with Jesus Christ, it won't turn them off. It won't break them. And so much of what's done in the name of street preaching is more like the MMA. Is that what they call it? That wrestling stuff where they beat up on each other? It's kind of like this championship thing where people go out and celebrate their rightness and actually kind of look for persecution and rejection from the sinners. Now, folks, that's ugly. That's real, real ugly. And I'm embarrassed to be part of the same body that you're part of when you act that way. Now, I remember one time I'll go. I remember one time I wanted to reach the military. Didn't have any place to reach them with. So I took a folding chair, three folding chairs, and made myself a sign that said, Ask me about Jesus. And I set it up right close to the military base on the side of the road, put the sign over the telephone post, and I sat there in my chair quiet like that. And the guys would come by and look. And finally, one of them looked and said, Hey, I'll bite. And he sat down. His buddy sat down. I told him about Jesus. I, you know, I hardly ever had an empty chair. The guys would just stop and want to hear about Christ. And one of them came up. He looked. He said, well, that's a new approach. And so he sat down. 
And it wasn't long before I had a building rented and a place for them to come where we could bring the gospel. Anytime we street preached, it was always, it was always a door that opened them up to a fellowship of believers. We're always prepared to take them home, to invite them out to a meal, to come back and visit them at their place, to spend time with them. We treated them like they were already members of our church when we met them on the street. We treat them with love and respect and gentleness and meekness. And it worked, worked great. People respond to you caring for them, to your concern for them. They don't respond to your dictatorial demanding that they repent. So I, I guess that kind of got under my skin. I just had to vent on it today, all right? So you street preachers, if you don't think uh, I'm on, uh, you, go ahead and write down under there. Tell me what you think, all right? I'd like to hear from you. Some of you have seen some of this. Let me know about it. Talk. Let's talk about it, all right? Okay, I've got some more plumbing to do for the days out. I've already written a chapter to my new book on faith today. I've already skinned a deer out and hung up the carcass. And uh, it's just about 10, 30, 11 in the morning, and I am uh, ready to do some more work. So let's get going.